0: This is episode 401 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Per Fernanda of Carry Castle about the action-adventure roguelike, The Source of Madness. Now, many could argue that there's many sources of madness in the world, and could get a little bit satirical at this point, or indeed a little bit depressing. But no, we're not going to do that. Instead... You're going to listen to me for the next hour or so talk to Per about the design and development of The Source of Madness, which is a 2D scrolling action-adventure game, which has some very strange creatures to the point where you don't know what way up they are when you're attacking lots of tentacles and eyeballs. Definitely that. Uh, But I first saw it at PAX East 2022, which I did attend. And I wish you'd go to PAX West in a couple of weeks, three weeks at the time of recording this intro. And I really, really fell in love with it and I was playing it. I kept on going back to the booth and I thought, well, yeah, this is a good game. And uh managed to uh, contact the developers after playing it and they agreed to be on the show. So here they are. Carry Castle which is an interesting name for a developer. We do reveal why they're called that at the end of the show, so do listen on for that. But um, shall, we, shall we do that then? Shall we listen to me from the relatively recent past talk to Carry Castle about the design and development of The Source of Madness? So Chris, please, take it away. Perfect. Greetings! <laughs> wow! Enthusiasm! We like it! <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Per? Yeah, um, yeah. So, what so do my... you do? What do you do? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is the most excited intro
1: we've ever had. The The best. My... best. Yeah. We're keeping that in.
0: <laughs> Go on.
1: Yeah, so, my name is Per. And I'm the CEO and creative director and technical artist at Carrie Castle. I'm one of two founders of the company.
0: Yeah. And, and uh um, how did you make your start doing the, the video game creation thing?
1: Yeah, I think I think like there's a little like there's like a little seed that started very, very long ago. Right. When I was like I think I got like 3ds Max cracked by my uncle when I was like eight or seven. Right. Because it's a very old software. Yeah. And then I also, when I was, I think fourteen or fifteen, I had one weekend where we tried to make an MMO with a friend. Didn't work out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's an ambitious thing. Go on, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: A weekend project. Okay, well, we, weekend we just project. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. called MMO World or Maker right. or something like that. Right. And then I was, like, not doing anything like that until I went further into our secondary school or gymnasium, as we call it, in Sweden, which is uh, so basically I did a lot of technical uh, stuff like I'm programming. And then we did some smaller programming games, which was probably probably my first real game, like some some like uh, box avoid the box bouncing around the corners kind of thing with Jim Carrey. Um, and, and then I actually went and studied at Blökenes Technical, uh, Bleakings, uh, BTH, which is Blökenes Technical High School or, okay. or university, kind of, almost university at least college. Right. College. Yeah. And that's where I started doing more serious games, I think, right. Which was where I educated myself into a technical artist because I, I liked art and I liked programming. Right. And I like talking to both artists and programmers, so, so that's kind of like is how um, how I went into that kind of field. And then my first job was in Finland uh, at Ubisoft Redlinks as a technical artist junior, and that was probably my first real uh, professional game, which was Trials Fusion.
0: Right. There's, yeah, there's, but, yeah, there's a game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I was a technical artist. I made tools, and I made some shaders, and I made some assets for the game as well, but okay. you, you don't really make games at a big company like that. No, you like make... You, you're part you're the, of the game-making process. Yeah.
0: I always yeah. think of, when I think of Ubisoft and uh, their vast uh, host and army of, of people working on the yeah. things they make, always feel, and I've said this before on the podcast, so f- f- apologies for... Rever- uh, um, you know, regular listeners, but um, really, it's just the f- feel for the artist who made that pot in Assassin's Creed. The player then marches up to, probably spent a good week making that pot. Oh yes, and then the player marches up to it and smashes it into tiny pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, they, they put their, their, you know, it's in their portfolio. What's that pot? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> So yeah, so so you you worked there for a bit, and clearly you're not there anymore. Yeah,
1: no, no. I I, I was like thinking either I want to work at Dice, but, like move back to Sweden, or I want to work like I was thinking of London as well, like maybe work for some some company in the UK. Uh, but then eventually, like I figured, like I I did a lot of game yams at right. my school before. Okay. And I was thinking like I actually do want to do my own things. And the yeah. only way to do your own things is to start your own company pretty much, or you just start doing it. But you need a lot of time and energy and patience to do games on the side. So I'd rather do it full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I moved I was chatting with people in a Skype group from school, and then like Robin, my co founder, he, he was like, Oh yeah, let's let's start a game company. And I moved back to Sweden, Gothenburg, and and then we've been in an incubator for two years or three years. And um, and now we're self-sufficient. Brilliant! I love that incubator idea. When it works, it works well. Yeah, and uh. this was like a Europe, um, European Union uh, project. So okay. basically, there was like it was only support, and you don't had to even give shares or anything like that. You know, a lot of incubators or accelerators for different industries say like take a cut, or or yeah, it can be pretty pricey for the company itself. But this one didn't take anything, so that was really nice. You only paid a very low uh, rent fee,
0: just to create the industry, therefore create work yeah. and <clears throat> investment, etc.
1: So for the yeah. you invest for investment's sake, and there's quite a few companies that got an out of that uh, incubator that I think is well very well worth it. yeah, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Nice. Okay, so. It's a, it's a great history there and really the, the, you studied it as an academic level which i think is a wonderful thing I'm, I'm, of, of an age where such a thing didn't exist no. um we you know you had to you know when you wanted to do that kind of work you'd have to go into sort of like a, a, a course that was adjacent to like you know no. um, film <laughs> animation for example or computer science and they weren't really designed for what you wanted you just had to you know if you wanted to study yeah. it in some way whereas thankfully now it's actually proper you know actually studied as an academic thing which of course it is
1: of course it yeah is. i mean i i do think i knew quite a lot before i joined the the education the program but the, the big thing about joining a school uh, it's it's not really about the learning process <clears throat> i think it's more about connecting and meeting like-minded people that also Correct. want to do that kind of stuff yeah and doing a lot of projects and understanding yeah. how you how how projects can fail and oh, yeah yeah everything Have, about projects
0: having defined projects defined things to do within a certain amount of time yeah and then completing them or trying to complete them yeah. within the time frame and then realising he had to make all these compromises just yeah. to meet the, that. And that's <clears throat> it's just how far you go with those compromises, which is an art that many don't actually get. <laughs> nope. It's, it's sad, really, but, yeah. you know, uh, a, a phrase again, regular listeners will be annoyed to be to say, but the concept of good enough is hard to, 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 to grasp. Yeah, but it's a very important skill to have. It's very hard to accept. It's hard to accept because perfectionism is the uh, is is the enemy of creation, really. You, yeah, you can never achieve it. Never achieve yeah,
1: it. yeah. I, I can feel like like when we think about the new project, the so next project, right. I'm definitely like a little bit like art blocked. You can call it that. Like, yeah. Oh, so it's all these things, and yeah. because I have done all the localization and yeah, all the porting stuff, we did all the porting ourselves. And like everything. So it's like there's so many variables that you have to take in consideration. And they're also like, oh, should I do the smart thing or do the thing that makes me more happy? <laughs> like, should I should I reuse the stuff I've already built? Build, build something completely new, which is uh, probably not the wise thing to do. No. It's probably best no. to do one more thing with, yeah. with the stuff I've learned. But... Yeah.
0: Build on what you know and on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> hmm. So, next question This one's a tricky one and you can answer it re- is representing Carrie Castle as an overall thing or a personal thing Don't mind But, as a creator what do you believe are your biggest influences? <clears throat> hmm.
1: Well, well, for the for the game, it's also manners at least Certainly It's, it's very it. much... It's very much dead cells, not visually, but but like from from the kind of concept like side scrolling action RPG yeah, yeah. kind of thing, and visual stuff and some inventory stuff and items. It's Diablo 2 very much, like the oh, yeah. the loot progression and the inventory. Like it's kind of like I I really just wanted an inventory that felt like uh, a Diablo. Yeah. You also, also a little bit merged in with Warcraft 3. You know the, Do you know the Warcraft 3 uh, menu? You know, where it like falls down with chains? Oh, right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I kind of wanted that for the inventory system. Nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, well. Uh, I uh, think, yeah,
0: Diablo, has a lot to answer for with inventory management, making it a, yeah. a, a game mechanic. <clears throat> right. Wait, yeah. well, I'll never forget when i sending it first in Diablo. Like, yeah. what's all this junk? What am I going to do this for? Why am I playing Tetris with swords?
1: <laughs> well, well, then obviously it's it's um, quite a bit of Lovecraftian or it's more it's more of the idea, and we do yeah. borrow some of his mythos, okay. which I think is a nice thing that people still use.
0: So, would you say that you are sort of like influenced by and inspired by the certain aspects of other game? you've experienced and enjoy and say, well, let's take these ideas and mush them together into something else and create this. So like, basically creating a, uh, like a hybrid of, of, of things like what would, if you had this kind of experience only with this dark sort of Lovecraftian, um, uh, nightmarish nightmare fueled environment, what would what would that look like? And here mm. we are with the source of madness. Um, yeah. It just sounds like to me that you want to recreate, not recreate, but um, how can I put it? Uh, have, uh, create a different experience, but with the same familiar sort of mechanics of others that you've been, been inspired by. Because I did mention earlier that one, we were all sort of standing on the shoulders
1: of giants, so to speak. Exactly. Well, yeah. well I think that's how how you, if what, well, but the thing is that if you yeah. want to make something new, it needs to be very solid and very small. But if you want to make a bigger game, you obviously need to lean on what other people have done. Yeah. Especially if you're smaller. Correct. Otherwise you're yeah. not gonna make anything great at all, probably. Yeah. Um, exactly. And and we're we kinda like leaning on this like action roguelite uh side scrolling platform. Like it's something that's somewhat been done before, but we want to do it with more more physics stuff. We didn't do as much physics stuff in it as we would have liked, but we do it like we have black holes and Joint physics, and you can jump up on the monsters and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I did and, notice that that the monsters yeah. are actual uh, physical objects. Yeah, which I is, wish we had you know...
1: utilized that a little bit more because yeah. then it would. But that's the thing that looks better in action and yeah. as you play it than on a video, kind of. Yeah, you or have to a, really in feel in it. <laughs> Using, using one of the monsters as actual platforms to
0: jump on things. Yeah, yeah they basically are. Yeah. Um, reminds me a little bit of Hell is Other Demons, which is a game we we, we uh, featured many years ago now, a couple of years ago. Oh, and that, that has a similar kind of like you, – you, they're not as nearly as nightmarish and they're sort of pixel art, <laughs> sort of like sorry, two or three colors on the screen at any one time. But the point being is you can use other creatures as, <laughs> as your platforms to get to somewhere else, which is quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I did appreciate that, mm-hmm. that um, you, you've taken what people say, yes, we've been here before. I don't think we have. This is why I've got Per on the show
1: to talk about the source of madness. Yeah, and, and, I very just different... to say... yeah go on. The main thing, like, how the idea started is just that I was thinking, like, okay, roguelites, I liked roguelites a lot when we started working on social menace and I was thinking, like, okay, they have procedural levels, so I want, let's try have procedural enemies. And it's a very <laughs> tricky thing to do, yeah, and very easy to mess up, but that's that's why we kind of lean on the other things that people have done before on loot systems and that kind of stuff, proven concepts, so yeah, we yeah. could like focus on, oh, how do we make this work? How do we make procedural enemies fun and engaging and interesting? Like, it's it's been a long journey, and it's like it's actually like been a little bit back and forth, and then now we're finally at a pretty good place, and then we're actually going to launch a, a new big patch eventually mm. uh, for the game, where we'll have even more like enemy variation, like that's going to be interesting and challenging. You nice, know, you know, fun yeah. way. Yeah.
0: Next question, then. What. Video game developer, do you most admire in your industry and why?
1: Hmm. Oh, I'm so bad at names. (laughs) Let's see. Well, hmm. Admire.
0: Yeah. People you think that their work is worthy of people's attention and they should carry on what they're doing.
1: It's a developer studio.
0: Could be a studio, could be a person, doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. I think I have, I I do think I have two kind of studios that I would like to mention, but they're very different. Very, very different, I think. Um,
0: That's that's not a problem. We like that. We like
1: different. Yeah. So it's probably, I haven't really thought about this question too much before. I'm not, I don't really go up and admire, like admire works. But course, I don't really yeah. think that I admire people. But no, I think people are it's very It's more the, the work they're doing, not necessarily. Because
0: yeah. we've all, I, I you know, say...
1: never meet your heroes kind of thing. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> I guess I think, well, I'm not going to go through my Steam list. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go with what's mm. in my head now. Yeah, And yeah. that's. that would be two game companies that I think admire for different reasons. I think Nomada. Have you heard about those? I think they call them Nomada. They made Greece. Oh, yes. Yes. That's a very beautiful game. It's a very it is. simple game, but yeah. it's so well-executed and so good storytelling, visual storytelling and musical storytelling. And uh, I, I really just love... I love that game, and it's, it's amazing what they managed to do. Mm-hmm. I think, and especially with making a platform like that fun. And yeah, yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not fun, it's interesting, I think. Yeah. It's, like, it's very captivating. And that's, that's a very clean and very good language. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, that's something I, I look up to as very impressive stuff that I don't think I've seen anyone else do quite as well. Right. And the other one is more uh, business, maybe, or, or not business, but lifestyle. Uh, and it's uh, Landfall Games, uh, Swedish studio. Right. Uh, and they made Stick Fight and Tabs and Cluster Truck. Oh, right. And, totally accurate battlegrounds but they're very chill people they're very very fun people and they don't they're they're very successful people now i think as well yeah they make very self-aware games yeah and they're (laughs) very small company as well i think they're very small a few people and um and they seem to like basically they had a game yam thing and they do they're very good at the marketing process of the games and and how they kind of do everything about the games yeah and they kind of like it feels like since they have this all of the money now, they can just like have fun and really really like not have to think they they do probably think some of like what would be a fun idea and how could we maybe sell it, but it's more like they focus on the big big like just what is fun like Jam game game feels like you just make a small fun game and you can expand on that, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I would have wanted to do with my game company, but now I'm growing into these like more serious bigger games because I think. That makes sense, um, for the time we're living. Can okay. I, I think it's. I think you can do game yams and succeed at that. As, as and sell as games. But I think it's easier and more sustainable to make bigger games, even as a small studio, uh, because the, because there's a momentum. And and people, you can like you can be visible for a longer time as well. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just rambling, but uh, no, no. But uh, <coughs> I think, yeah. But anyway, this was about unbuying uh, yeah. other game companies yeah. and and uh, the people behind it's them. Quite am Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. can I? Can I? am gonna try to find one more. The people. All the people. Yes, but um, we should mention, should name drop the people there. I don't. I actually talked with another game podcast. Well, well, I did say. Wilhelm Nylund and uh, Philip Westra, but I don't know if they ever going to do like podcasts. I think they're very comfortable with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the two founders okay. uh, of Landfall and, and I think they seem like very fun and nice people. Very yeah. relaxed.
0: Yeah. I do know of the Accurate Battles game that's yeah. coming out. I think it's out or about to be. I think, I think it's I think, on the brink, isn't it? I seem to remember seeing a press release about it, but uh,
1: I, I think they have released okay. the total, the accurate. I, I think,
0: yeah. They did. I w- I'll, I'll I'll check because if I'll, I'll I'll approach them normally. Normally, that's the way it normally works. Yeah. Um, so, last question then of the uh, the first half is this: What are you playing right now, Per?
1: So right now, I yeah. bought. Risk of Rain Two, right? Okay. Uh, after a long time, yeah. like actually, like some of the inspiration for *Sosa was actually a little bit of *Risk of Rain* as well, mm-hmm. but it's a very zoomed out and very different experience, obviously. And and now I finally took the time to to buy <laughs>
0: to
1: buy *Risk of Rain* Two on sale on Steam, right? Just because I just finished uh, *Tales of Iron*, the, right. the little mouse game. Okay. Um,
0: yes, they've been on the show.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're in, some, I, we're in the same Discord at some place as well, I think.
0: Yeah, they are. I do like
1: that game. It's a very, on, yeah. a very beautiful game. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like, I was thinking, like, maybe I should make Social Manus, like, because I feel like I made a huge mistake uh, going with completely flat camera, like, orthographic camera, camera for of for Manus. I would much have preferred just going with a perspective camera like they did.
0: Right. Because
1: right. then you have the free parallax, depth yeah, and blur you, oh, and all yes. the stuff. I I I had to do a lot of work yeah. to get <laughs> to get things working as I wanted it.
0: Well, yeah. I always think when when I'm playing the source of madness, I feel like I'm playing a painting, mm-hmm. like I'm in a painting um, that happens to be being animated a very, like you know, odd like manner. But that's how I feel when I'm playing yeah. a source of madness. Is that each frame could be could be a, a rather interesting and rather terrifying painting <laughs> uh, yeah. in in some teenager's bedroom that's painted their, their walls black. But, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's just it does feel like that. And that's what, that's the, well, I, my takeaway was for The Source of Madness. But, yeah, no, Risk of Rain 2. Yeah, I need to get in on that, but it's just too many games. <laughs> too many... There's a lot of games. A lot of games.
1: A lot of games. Yeah. But, I'm so, also thinking, like, picking up uh so what's what's the name? Uh the it's a lava potion game. play they call lava potion. Song of um uh, it's called Song of what was the name? There we go. Let's see. Song of Conquest. It's supposed to, I haven't tried it yet, so right. I can't really vote for it. But they are in our city. Okay. And uh they are it's basically like a Heroes of Might and Magic, ish kind go. of game. It's not right. exactly like that, probably. No, but it's it's they want to like press on that nerve. Like,
0: yeah, it's just been it's just not really been exploited for many years, so.
1: Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of work I think, and to yeah. make it very good. Like there's a lot of like I, my favorite game of all time is Home Three: Heroes of Might and Magic Three. Oh, okay. And it's a Childhood game as well, so. Right. Very very nice for hot seating.
0: Okay, it's amazing how much content they made for those games back in the day, isn't it? Yeah, because they kept on going and going and you just like and they made loads of expansions for them as well. It was just oh, yeah. quite incredible but
1: yeah I That's... guess they like, they also sold a lot of expansions back then. hmm yeah
0: so it worked back then, but not so much these days anyway. let's move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into the source of madness. So, first question, uh, if you'd if, if, if you be so kind, please tell us, what is the source of madness?
1: So, a side-scrolling dark action roguelite, set in a twisted, lovecraftian and inspired world, powered by procedural generation AI machine learning. Take on the role as a new acolyte as they embark on nightmares adventures.
0: Yeah. So, in essence, it is a two D platforming game with the you the camera focusing on typically on where the where the player is, and it's zooming in and out like you would not believe. It goes far out until time to <laughs> start. I like that, uh, and then zooms out and zooms in again, depending on what's going on, and what you need to be looking at, uh, and it is procedurally generated in terms of not only the levels but also the creatures you encounter. Including the chickens <laughs> and the number of, um, and you are a spell slinger, you do uh fire off um spells, whether it be like a short melee, like sort of Swiss of the Wand, so to speak, or you actually do you know fire off um like ranged um spells, so like the fireball is an early one you get hold mm-hmm. of, which is quite pleasing. And uh, very, very devastating, provided you know what you're doing. But also, there's also special abilities you have. There's this sort of dash ability where you appear in one space and, another, and then appear and you know, disappear and reappear in another and leave something in your wake, which is something I used a great deal when I was playing the earlier runs, where it's creating corruption behind you going through creatures and they were just sitting there and being, being consumed by all this terrible corruption once you pull it off it's quite satisfying but um yeah it's a very the the, the movement is very fluid very, you know you, you know where you are where where you can land where you can drop through what, what where you're trying to get to so you, you're basically moving from left to right typically um, and But then you go you into sort of little dungeons where they have big boss monsters in them, which are just just horrendous. Uh, you also encounter all sorts of NPCs along the way, floating eyeballs that are also slot machines, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and also uh, merchants that sell you things and equipment as you go along that, that you can use to buy. And also, because it's a roguelite, you will die. And when you die, another acolyte is brought forward. But the your efforts of the previous adventurer are re- recognised, and you can use the currencies, whatever they may be, whether it be blood or other currencies. I want to go into too much, which you can use to actually unlock other abilities that then make your new acolyte, as they make their way through the realm, um, more powerful. And then, then thus the cycle goes on and on. And on until you reach a point of completion, he says, delicately, where, you know, you'll find indeed the source of madness because you are in a realm that is corrupted and and, and, and refugees have flooded the Tower of Knowledge from where you start. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all very sort of terrible. Again, when all of a sudden there's all terrible monsters everywhere, why are they there? What are they there for? And questions, lots of questions, which is... Related to my first design question, the source of madness encourages discovery. in other words, encourages the player to progress further and further further by finding new things out, seeing things, encountering things, going getting stronger, in order to answer very ambiguous things, because it encourages discovery by saying the least to the player. You're not not a lot is explained. Yeah, was this always the intent that you're going to be slightly ambiguous to the player? Like, here's the headmaster; he's not wearing a mask. Okay, that's a thing. Yeah. Right, off you pop. What is that? Okay, <laughs> so what well, I just want to know was that always been the intent? Is to to in order to have to to encourage one of the means to encourage the player to yeah progress is to give them the least amount, just the little drips of information.
1: Well, well I did write a lot of backstory to a lot of things in the right. game. But I I, did, I do really like what I like about games is the the ability to discover things and, and and the kind of like adrenaline kick you get, oh what is this? Why is this like that? And sometimes it's fine that you never really get the answers to those. It's very heavily inspired by by the Dark Souls the storytelling. Like there is a world that has some connection, and you're not really sure why most of the time. Like something you can find information on items and such. And we had a plan to do a lot of that, but eventually we didn't. I didn't have the time or energy to to write all the different snippets uh, for all the different lore text. But we probably will add some of it to the wiki page at some point is uh okay. it's a goal. We already added a little bit more lore to the biomes right. uh, on the wiki page. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was very intentional and yeah. try to just, like, create a world that's, like, you feel like there's a world here and, and you're trying to understand, like, how everything fits together.
0: Yeah. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Which is the yeah. problem. <laughs> so, I want to talk about the enemies in the Source of Madness. And we've already spoken about how they're procedure degenerated and uh, they are basically listener, a mangle of bones, tentacles, limbs and other things dangly bits um, that sort of like somehow move and they kind of like curl themselves towards you via their various limbs and tentacles and one of the things that I really was appreciative of when playing through Sorts of Madness is that it's very difficult when you have a creature like that that's so alien and so odd, you don't know which it's going to be using to inflict damage against you. It's difficult to know when it was... Is it a mouth? Is it a tentacles? Is it like a big laser beam thing? Is it shooting things at you? I don't know. But one of the things I really like the fact that one of the when one of the limbs was about to strike out, it would like flash red or there'd be an indication it was about mm-hmm. to sort of strike down. That was really interesting. How was that something that came about because it was a consequence of making these creatures so alien like? Was it because it was so difficult to? Because if it was just a, a bipedal creature, you'd be familiar with, you know, two arms, two legs, and it would be using one of those things to strike out at you. Whereas these things are just a mass of things. So was that just a consequence of their alien nature?
1: Yeah, I mean, since we want to have procedural enemies and mm. procedural, like, amount of limbs, we also need to, like, oh, what's, we need, like, and we also want people to be able to jump up on these monsters. Yes. And that kind of stuff. So we need to very, and also based on player feedback, we also need to be very um, communicative, communicative. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we also, like, do a flash, like, the the limb also goes very bright white, yeah. kind of. Yeah, uh, to indicate that this limb is about to do a, uh, a punch attack. Yeah, yeah. are actually, actually, in the next update, we're gonna change this a little bit. So right now, it's just like a big, bright flash indicating a little bit what kind of attack—if it's gonna be heavy or quick, or or a normal attack. Mm. But the idea now is that we're actually gonna highlight the direction of the attack as well. So, but we're also gonna make the attack a little bit more uh snappy and fast so we're gonna like show like oh it's gonna attack pretty much this angle so you can just dodge away from that in time so it's, okay. it's gonna feel a little bit more tight the, right. the combat loop i think from that but yeah so so yeah it's, it's basically on player feedback that they want more like we probably want to do so you can turn it off as well if you want to be <laughs> immersed yeah yeah Yeah, because normally it wouldn't uh, be happening.
0: It is, I'm about to hit you
1: with it. It It needs to be skill-based, right? So you need to be able to read attacks and there needs to be some form of communication there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So now I'm going to talk about, we talked about a little bit of this earlier on the show. It's the equipment and powers that you're granted. Well, the equipment grants powers to the player in The Source of Madness. And um, they are sort of presented... um, and they do allow the player to, at the beginning of a new run, they're given, like, oh, you can have these different skills and depending on which like you know, acolyte you end up creating later on, they can be quite formidable, even at the early stages. And, you know, before they make their run, make you run through, they're still quite formidable. So knowing you've got procedurally generated levels... What have you found making sure that there's a balance, and there's that word that's often used in game design the concept of balance, whatever that means? But really, the goal is really to make sure that the player is still compelled to play through these realms and to experience them and to make sure that they are still challenged. Because there's that horrible moment where you in roguelites where you reach a point of, um, uh, like a zenith, I call it, where. You, there's a turning point where you no longer you you find yourself uh, n- no longer particularly challenged. You're just munching your way through things, and it ceases to be enter- we well, not entertaining, but um, but just engrossing in any way. It's just like oh, I'm just going through the motions, and that's that's a point you don't want to reach. Really, with there's always got to be that little bit more challenge. So, how have you found making sure that after repeated runs? That there is still that sense of challenge in the source of madness.
1: Yeah, I think we still suffer slightly from that sometimes. But mm. we're gonna improve it a little bit now with uh with the next update. But I think uh the 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 design choice I made very early on was that when you enter a new level, the this difficulty needs to peak pretty high. Like there needs to be a pretty high like the amount of life and enemy and and how they attack you need to be kind of a lot higher. Yeah. But then once you get some new items from that level, it should be like you're now you're a little oh, bit overpowered again. Yeah. So it's a uh, rush a little bit to find new items every new biome. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of how I wanted to tackle it at least. And and then we only had like we have the normal like uh, we have some more difficult abilities and that kind of stuff for the monsters. As you go prolog- get further into the game, yeah, yeah. as well as more life and damage, yeah, and I... and that kind, you need to like create more synergy with your items to match that uh, difficulty increase. Yes, I did have a great fun experimenting with that. game. Yeah.
0: well, I like kind of the the Malay swish, but I think these beasts want to be tackled from a distance. Thank you very much because those tentacles <laughs> really hit hard. So that kind of thing, yeah. you know, there's very, but that's a very basic sort of yeah. tactical decision. There are many others, but you can enhance your weapons as well with with add-ons. And I'm not going to use the word gems because that's probably yeah. copyrighted. But the, the idea is we trinkets. Yes, you add the trinkets to the weapons to make them even more potent, yeah. or indeed increase your own health, which is nice. Um, and there's many different yeah. ways of doing it, but I just found that. You know it's a, it's always a challenge with road lights. It doesn't matter which what you're doing is if you reach that point where it ceases to be you're just going through the motions, that's the worst thing you want to do because then they'll just walk away and they'll stop because it's they've got other things to do than that. uh They actually want to be engaged in some way and challenged in some way uh and it's it's not easy it's not easy it's a and that's just a, a symptom of the model really it's just one of those things that you have to overcome. Last question, then. I don't know. All good things must come to an end, but here we are. At least the last thing is a good thing. Um, The sound of visuals, and and visuals, sorry, of the source of madness, I found them to be one of the most well-intertwined things that I've ever encountered in a video game, in the sense that the visuals and the sound really complement each other so well you know you see these creatures and they sound as you expect them to sound and the wind and the howls and the the, the the sound just everything it seems to be completely fed in. they they are feeding into each other i have to ask how have you how did you manage to to achieve this do you think
1: yeah i i, I think i made a pretty good like i made my own audio not like right. audio player but like can i like i uh, have mm-hmm. like um a little system where, like, feed lots of different, like, uh, like one sound or sound source could have like a number of different unique sounds that it can play for that specific event. So, like, right. that's a very important thing for for creating very good audio quality. Like, is that it should not even be this exactly the same sound. Yep. And then also, like, there's always like you have to have like a randomness pitch variation. So even if you spam the sound, it should sound very rich and interesting at the same time. That's I think and and all of these things, especially for the monsters, we have like a lot of um events that we have tied to a sound source so if 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 the monster is thinking or like changing, we like add a little bit of flavor noise to that kind of stuff um, I would have wanted to add more like for the footsteps as well but but we had like some some uh some fallback ideas that, you right. know, like you can't do everything perfect. That's what no, you have to like, no. good enough. Good enough. But yeah. 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 I think it's basically like we, we tied a lot of things to sound sources. I like, like a lot of things have triggers and yeah. the triggers can be tied to a sound. Right. And, and we exposed it a lot of that stuff as well as making, a, I made a pretty good um, audio uh, class function uh, that can like basically take in a lot of different kind of sound uh, variations and do more variations with those as well, and and yeah,
0: yeah. It's quite often and, you hear creatures before you see them. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I do like launching surprise attacks against them as well. Like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, can be done, can be done, yeah. but not not as often as as, as you think, uh, because they they like, cause they can hear any in inverted commas, yeah, and they will react to you. Uh, um, relentlessly Um, I mean so I have dozens more questions but I think um, we're going to have to end it (laughs) very sad to say but um, so the source of madness is developed by Carrie Castle I have to ask where does that name Carrie Castle come
1: from oh well that's pretty much like a British Indian source kind of Okay. Well, this is from like when we tried to make our company name, we got right. a lot of rejects. We tried to be like Top Hat Raven, that kind okay. of stuff. We weren't allowed to have Top Hat in our name. Um, but basically, I found some obscure website on the internet, and it said that Carry Castle is the name of the old like Indian war elephants. Right. And I do think that elephants are pretty wise. Okay, and and smart creatures. So why not an elephant? So we have like an elephant carrying a castle on its head. So it's like a literal <laughs> castle on the head of the elephant. The and the I kind of like that idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's published by Thunderful. And um, yeah. and what platforms is the source of madness available on?
1: All the platforms except well, we haven't released Linux on Max yet, but it's on uh, PC. Switch, right. uh, PC, Steam, yep. and Gog. Yeah. And Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Xbox One, Xbox S and X, yep. PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5. There you go. And we Ooh. did all those ports ourselves. Wow. So it's they Yeah, that should run pretty well.
0: That's, that's unusual because a lot of people do outsource that, but no, you, yeah. you you stick well, to it.
1: I, we don't trust people to do it well. Well, maybe they would do it well. I don't know. Right. We, I think we had a lot of tricky stuff in our game. Okay. And I made a lot of optimizations for our game so that I make sure that it runs on Switch, which uh, which the uh, PC and all the other platforms benefit from as well. So Nice. nice. So I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, some people might like to do little... I found that, for example, on PlayStation 5, uh, some people make games on that and they use like the... The dual sense to do weird and wonderful things sometimes, um, or, uh, but that's the major difference between this is sometimes the controller can be different, but yeah, I think it's wonderful that it's the source of badness is everywhere because people should play it. Everyone, it's great. It's uh, like I said, the, in the virtual green room before we started recording, I first encountered it at PAX East this year at the time of recording. And, uh, yeah, almost missed an appointment because I got so absorbed in this strange and terrifying world that is the source of madness. But, um, Per, it's been wonderful having you on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, and uh, you're more than welcome to come back to talk about the next thing you're currently working on, which you kind of mm-hmm. hinted at earlier on. And, uh, but we will be here, trust me. Uh, but until then, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you, listeners.
0: <laughs> you have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Canaan Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, CanaanRinse.com. Thank you.